0: yo what's good and welcome to kind of funny games daily for thursday april 14th 2022 i'm janet garcia and joining me is tim motherfucking gettys what is good tim
1: everything janet everything it's been a while since i've done a show with you excited to be back with you especially on games daily so this is, this is going to be a fun one. Some fun news today. The stories I was looking through, I'm like, I don't know if any of these are the most exciting thing. But I was like, you know what? Me and Janet, we're going to find the gold. We're going to find the gold in each and every story.
0: We always do. Yeah, the garcia Gettys Information Squad. It's back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always a good time. Well, let's just go ahead and jump right into it with today's stories, which include Witcher 3's next-gen delay, Niantic's new AR game, Phil Fish servicing for Fez's 10-year anniversary, and more, because this is... Kind of Funny Games Daily, where each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. We run you through the news you need to know about. If you are watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosterteeth.com, or listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for Kind of Funny Games Daily. It's one of those things where like, because of the noise cancellation that I have running, I never really know if anyone hears me slam the desk. Oh, it came just through. know it came through. Just know I'm always slamming the desk. Okay, I'd never forget we, to slam the desk.
1: Even if we don't hear it, you can feel it through the series. Right? I'm like, there's like a light shake. Visuals. You know,
0: it's like mm-hmm. we're really going for like a 4D level experience. You remember? Did you ever do the one of those 4D? One. The theater things? Did I things? Ever, oh,
1: do, love do so much? The pickles
0: I, with the SpongeBob one. Like I feel like everyone went to that one specifically.
1: Last week, did I watch Sonic the Hedgehog two in 4DX? Yes, I did.
0: Really. What this week like? did I watch
1: it again in 4DX? Yes, I did. I enjoyed the movie and the 4DX experience so much. When I went to see it a second time, I was like, I'm only watching it in 4D, baby. You gotta go fast, everybody.
0: So what does that mean? Like, does does the chair like start zooping? Are you like are you just hear the coins like oh, Janet, underneath you? Like
1: it's, it's, it's everything. It's Next everything. time you're in SF, we're going to a 4DX movie. Yeah, I, it's I've actually be...
0: never done a full 4D movie. I've only done like the 4D experiences. Like mm-hmm. uh, Universal, I think, had one for a while with like, I kind of want to say, I've got to out what IP it was. Um, and then there was a SpongeBob one I did once at Navy Pier in Chicago. But that's it. Like, I've never done yeah. like the full runtime. So that sounds kind of horrifying, but I'm down to it try is... it. Oh,
1: sorry. I was just going to say, it is too much in the absolute best way possible. Do
0: they punch you still? Cause I remember getting punched oh, yeah, in the back. Yeah,
1: yeah, they punch you in the back hard. I
0: don't really like, that's the thing that Janet, it goes a little too far for immersed. me. It's about being immersed. You gotta, you just gotta, gotta get it. immersed.
1: Gotta that's get what, immersed.
0: That's what I'm trying to do here on Twitch, just in general. Like I wanna have the first, like, was oh, probably out the first, the first 4D stream, right? I get a fan going, there's like mist and stuff. Like it's a whole production. Mm-hmm. Um, But on that note, remember, you can use Epic Creator Code Kind of Funny on all Epic store and Epic in-game purchases like Rocket League and Fortnite to help support the channel. To be part of the show, head over to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames, where bronze members or above get to write in, and silver members or above get the show ad-free, along with the exclusive daily post-show. Some housekeeping for you. Tim, we got some stuff going on. What is we a it?
1: lot of stuff over on youtube.com slash kind of funny things have just been popping off of course we have uh the latest episode of the kind of funny podcast that if you haven't listened to it is it is a very 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 sad episode uh but also a very special episode where we remember the life of portillo, portillo the wiener dog uh so you can check that out but if you're looking for something a little bit more uplifting we've been having a ton of different reviews over on the screencast we had uh everything everywhere all at once which kev i heard you watched we're gonna have to talk about that later uh jurassic park in review is going on episode one went live last week today on patreon we're recording the lost world jurassic park sure to be a fun time and of course moon night continues to happen every week so go check that out and finally nick and mike both did a trailer reaction to stranger things season four so in the entertainment world things are popping off everybody
0: it's entertainment review season, sort of. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know if you guys would do review season over there. You know, it There's never ends. Different, different smells in the air for that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you to our Patreon producers Fargo, Brandy, Pranksy, and Anonymous. Uh, today we're brought to you by Meundies and Maple Story, but we'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin. What is and forever will be the Roper Report. Da-da-da-da-da it's time for some news we have of course today
1: a uh, beaker's dozen
0: Five. <laughs> uh starting with the lead witcher 3's next gen delay this comes over from amelia zollner at ign who writes cd project announced it is delaying the next gen version of witcher 3 wild hunt indefinitely and will no longer be releasing the upgrade in quarter two. Part of the delay may have to do with the change in the developer. Previously, the update was being developed by externally by Saber Interactive, but CD Projekt Red has elected to bring the remainder of the game's development in-house. Uh, quote, we have decided to have our in-house development team conduct the remaining work on the next-gen Witcher, next-gen version of the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. A recent tweet on the Witcher's account reads, we are currently evaluating the scope of work to be done and thus have to postpone quarter two release until further notice. We'll update you as soon as we can. Thank you for understanding. The upcoming free upgrade is intended to visually and technically enhance the PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X versions of the game, which was originally released in 2015. The upgrade was originally planned for a late 2021 release, but faced initial delays based on recommendations supplied by persons supervising development, according to a 2021 tweet. Um, While this next-gen version is currently facing delays, CD Projekt Red is continuing to expand on The Witcher. Last month, the company announced that a new Witcher game is also in development him react
1: you know it's interesting when we, you look at we were on the games cast yesterday which is also a fantastic episode talking about game of the year so far you can check out right now uh we talked a lot about bethesda and we talked about um starfield and everything it's going to come out this year the kind of pressures that put on that game for uh, a multitude of reasons um but specifically talking about these giant western rpgs right and these iconic companies that have created them and in recent years, I feel like all the big ones, whether it's Bethesda or uh, BioWare or um, CD Projekt Red have all had extreme hits and extreme misses um, and are all kind of in a similar situation right now where all eyes are on their next moves. And like, what's what is the right step forward? And you kind of see uh, groups like Bioware and CD project red, almost using the easy answer as a bandaid of let's go back to mass effect. Let's go back to Witcher three. Right. And it's interesting to look at where CD project red is right now, where, Cyberpunk is what it is, was what it was, is going to continue to be that thing for a, a while. And you know they're making little incremental increases here and there, but it still isn't what people wanted or expected. And at the end of the day, it, it wasn't at the right time. Uh, but with this, it does feel like they're kind of trying to announce a lot of things and uh, kind of just get that positive energy out there and that goodwill building again towards the – Next Witcher release, like the next big proper Witcher release. So all these little things I think are adding up where I don't think that there is a ridiculous amount of people that are clamoring for the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt next gen updates. However, there will be a ridiculous amount of people that play it when it comes out. So it's kind of a um less a chicken in the egg situation and more uh they might as well talk about this as early as possible because it is just gonna get people excited. Now, the backside of that is when you have to delay it and when th- plans start changing and all of a sudden all the news about it starts to sound a little bit negative you know um i think uh, we're obviously still in the pandemic we're still in the situation where so many different factors on top of just plans going awry um are affecting game development and promotional strategy for things so i think cj park red's in a really tough spot right now and i don't know that they're handling it the the best possible way but um i do think that we always talk about the transparency of things and i think in recent times they have been very transparent of hey this has happened it sucks but it's happening uh here's why you could like that reason or not it's the why and it's just kind of it's never a fun place to be but it is reality
0: yeah i think too like it's kind of interesting looking at this specifically because oftentimes we don't get quite as much information on like why something is delayed usually it's just it's taking longer than we thought or like we're still not done like which is usually why things are you know delayed or late uh given any type of project um i think this one really paints a picture of the team that initially had it like didn't at least to some people have the sauce like that and that's no indictment on the team itself i think you know whenever you're trying to like touch something and like kind of redo something that's so iconic. Um, There's a lot of different things to factor in because you're not making something from scratch. You're like trying to replicate something, but also enhance it, like make it different enough that it feels like it is new and fresh and that you don't feel like you're playing something old, but also not undoing the old elements that make people like it for what it is. And I think that Mm -hmm. is a really big challenge. And that's why so often like it's a rarity to get, you know, remakes or remasters that you know, totally feel like they're moving the needle because usually it's just like, I mean, it's nicer, you know, it's definitely the best way to play it. Like that's kind of a happy medium for people to land versus, you know, like if you take too many risks with things, you might end up going too far in one direction or another. Um, But this reminds me a lot, you know, I think especially you and I, like having such an affinity for Nintendo of like what happened with Metroid where they were like, actually, like someone else is gonna take, like it just didn't end up working out. And I think both this comment of, you know, we're moving and bringing it in-house, and then the previous reason for the delay of, like, it's not really, like, going the way we want it to go. It's not, you know, it's not quite up to snuff, and given that, like, it's going to take longer. Um, and then it makes sense, too, I think, for it to be indefinite. I do think the indefinite feels like it weighs really heavy, which is why, like, they didn't use that language. Like, you know, that was, like, the contextualization. They were like, we're going to let you know later, because I think it definitely just sounds so negative. But at the same time, it makes sense, because if they are bringing it now in-house potentially like we don't know how much from scratch they're starting it we don't really know how there's it's no surprise that they don't know how long it's going to take them to get this out the door
1: so an interesting thing coming up in chat now that even gives more context to this and reframes i think in a very interesting way uh dcash is saying apparently it was related to saber being in russia so that would make a lot of sense them taking it from uh the russia team that was working on the the port and now um taking it in-house. It's like that That explains the why a little bit more, um, obviously with the state of the world right now of where things are at. But again, that's just kind of where things are. And they always have been this way where like world events are going to affect game development. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just think that with where we're at currently, CD Projekt Red is facing a lot of that from many different angles on top of uh, kind of like problematic launch of Cyberpunk, which has its effects in a bunch of different ways, whether it's just kind of the, the media's Um, takes on cd project red as a company where you know we're not going to get a story about witcher 3 without cyberpunk's bad launch being brought up right and like that sucks but that just kind of is how the conversations go with this type of thing um so adding on a bunch of real world real stuff is like sucky
0: Yeah, I think the the potential good news for them is, like, that's the story until it isn't, right? Like, we're only going to mention, you know, CD projects in the context of Cyberpunk until, I mean, I think it'll always kind of be attached to them to some degree. But if The Witcher 3 Wilder comes out and it's good, like, that'll be one of the, like, more recent, like, ways that people will contextualize what the studio has been working on. So I, I do think definitely this is a big deal for them. Uh, my question for you is, when do you think we're getting this game? And then how close to, like, the next game launch do you think it's going to be? Is it going to be like a, hey, Witcher 3 Wildhood's dropping and then we're going into New Witcher? Or is it going to be like much larger of a gap than that? It's just so hard to imagine them both doing this um, next-gen version and then also you know, building something new on top of that, which granted, they likely have been working on it long before they announced it. I don't think they're like, hey, let's make this and then tweet that we're making it, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, this just being a next-gen upgrade, like I don't think it's, it's not going to be like this giant remake type thing um so with that i imagine we're not getting the next witcher for years and um i think that is an easy safe bet and i think we are, are gonna get this i mean i wouldn't be surprised if we get it this year i'd also be not surprised if we end up getting it sometime next year but it being set for q2 2022 Is like well we still got q3 q4 like there's a lot of Mm -hmm. time in 2022 even that it could launch and i mean i don't think it's like that big of a a project that that is impossible but again with the state of the world like maybe it is impossible and if so then yeah it's going to slide a little bit but i don't think that the the ramp up time on this is going to be that long i imagine that worst case scenario we're going to get this by q2 2023.
0: Um, and then also, like, I don't know if you've played, like, The Witcher 3 or if you're a Witcher 3 fan, but, um, you know, commenting on that. And then also, do you think they're going to stick the landing on this if you had to predict on how this launch is going to go for them?
1: Oh, I mean, I'm not a Witcher guy. Just I'm not a big open RPG guy, open world RPG guy. Um, but I obviously understand the the respect that Witcher 3 has um, as a defining video game moment. Um, I, I mean, look, maybe I'll, like... Be kicking myself for saying this later. I can't see this going wrong. Like this is, it's just an next gen upgrade. <laughs> like it's just one of the best games of all time, running better. So, I I don't know. I feel like I feel like they're they're not over promising on this. So it's like there's we can't be disappointed now. I'm sure we can find ways to be disappointed. But I think overall, like I don't think that this is gonna. um I think this is gonna be what people expect it to be.
0: Yeah, which I think I, is the biggest thing.
1: CD project red needs is to nail expectations
0: um I do think it's funny though in the chat last glass gaming clip it you guys are straight up evil (laughs) like so mean um but no I mean I agree with that I feel like we haven't had many if any definitely let me know that in the chat or or Tim if you have any memory of you know horror stories of next-gen upgrades I think that's the closest we've had is that it usually takes people longer than they think it's going to take for them to make the upgrade but they seem to have gone fine. And like maybe again GTA trilogy, that's not a next gen thing. Not, that's like a no. remastered collection. That's totally um, different. Yeah, like another example would be GTA five, which went fine. I mean, I think some people maybe would le- wish it ran even better than it does. But I don't think anyone's like, Oh, why is this not like working correctly? It, it seems pretty, pretty smooth. Um, so yeah, yeah, you know, I we'll have to see with,
1: with next gen upgrades. I think the biggest pain point has been the multi system situation. Where Xbox handles it so much better than PlayStation. And just there's just too many steps involved with getting your saves downloaded and all that stuff, and which version of the game you're downloading on PlayStation. Like, and a lot of that stuff has been solved in the last year that the PS5's been out. Um, We're still not perfectly there, but like it has been, uh, there's been a lot of solutions. And I think that that has been the biggest issue with next gen upgrades.
0: Yeah. The like, I still have to think a little bit. On PlayStation which I would like to not have to have any thoughts when <laughs> I sit mm-hmm. down in front of my console um but yeah we are better from the I downloaded it and then like I actually downloaded kind of both and then when I click it I'm like who do I have here and they're like yes and I'm like I don't I, I'm just gonna redo this whole thing um yeah that definitely has been I think a lot more of the talking point in the conversation around next gen so yeah we'll see you when this is um I think you're also spot on for like next gen winter that probably would that would not surprise me if that's like something that I'm playing on, like the PlayStation Six or the Xbox Seven Heaven or whatever they're gonna call it. <laughs> um, moving on, let's talk Pokemon Go developer Niantic making an AR pet game called um, Peridot. Every time I read this name, and from Andrew are over at The Verge. Every time I read this name, Peridot, I read Period because me too. like but- it's that thing where like your mind, if the first letter and the last is like, even though Period doesn't end with a T, but y'all know what I mean. Like it's just a little too close, right?
1: It definitely is, and I read it as period too. But I read it specifically, and I I don't even know what a reference this is. So, someone in the chat, or Kevin, if you know, let me know. But the what movie or show is it? It might even be like a cartoon where someone's like period.
0: Oh, that does sound like something. I also read it as like Pidgeotto saying. I also read it a little bit like when people say because sometimes people will like add extra letters to period to be Uh, like period. Everyone's saying Steven
1: Universe. no you're it like not that.
0: <laughs> it's did Perry Dot.
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch Steven Universe, so it's not that, but maybe it's still went uh, into your
0: mind somehow. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, this isn't the main thing about this game, but it is the first thing that I noticed. Like, literally, I like YouTube it. I'm like, did it has anyone said this name aloud? How do I read this? Why am I reading <laughs> it wrong every time? Um, but let's get into what this actually is. So Niantic, of course, the developer behind the Blockbuster Success Pokemon Go has announced its new its next augmented reality game. And once again, it's full of adorable creatures called Peridot. We're gonna, we're gonna get through this. The game Love is it. all about caring for and breeding magical critters. Think of it like Pokemon Go cross with Tamagotchi with some real world AR elements tossed in. Here's the basic premise according to Niantic. After thousands of years of slumber, peridots are waking to a world vastly different from the one in which they used to roam, and they'll need your help to protect them from extinction. Practically speaking, this means you'll be caring for creatures by training, feeding, and playing with them, helping them grow from cute little babies to full-grown adults um, before eventually breeding more. One of the Janet, defining you, aspects.
1: You yes. jumping into that into the VO voice there. The word right picture. Yeah. yeah, you 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 committed hard enough that for a moment, you sounded exactly like Ash Ketchum from the Pokemon card.
0: Thank you. That's honestly, so that you know, I get impressive. that a lot. Um, that's, you know, really goals over there. You know, clip clipping it out for the VO reel. Um, does yeah. my voice sound the same when I do any voice? Yes. Is that a problem? Not for my first project. <laughs> Whoever gets me after might have some issues. But for the first one, <laughs> who's gonna that know? Was good.
1: That was good, Jenny. <laughs> who's gonna
0: know? Who's to say, right? We have technology. Pitch it up, pitch it down. We'll figure it out. Um, one of the funding aspects of Peridots is that every creature is unique. They all look different through a combination of handcrafted assets and procedural generation, which, is, well, anyway, I'm, I don't wanna get I'm gonna get it all out there. I have so many thoughts. Uh, mm-hmm. And have distinct personality traits. Niantic says they also have their own DNA. Uh, this ties into the breeding aspect, which the developer says is patterned after the way DNA works in real life. There are different creature archetypes like unicorn or cheetah and these can be blended during um, by breeding to create all new adorable little critters. And no, despite being all unique digital assets, the Peridots are not NFTs. Uh, it's uh, it's a really interesting idea, and it's something that we're obviously looking at. Senior producer Zaya Fogel tells The Verge, but right now we're focusing on testing and refining the core gameplay experience to ensure it's really fun and accessible. Uh, like Niantic's previous games, including most recently Pikmin Bloom, much of the gameplay requires going out in the real world. Uh, this can mean searching for nests in the wild, which are required for breeding, or satisfying the needs of your Peridot uh, by going for a walk or finding a specific food. It should be noted that a Despite um, that despite a storyline about saving a species from extinction, there is no death in Peridot. There is no punitive element to the game, the creatures will not die. Instead, we try to reward pl- people for um, players for coming back and playing with their creatures more often, says Fogel. Similarly, um, AR appears to be a large component. So, you know, just like in Pokemon Go, we have things like recognizing, you know, the dirt versus the sand versus the concrete, the grass, et cetera. Uh, while the new game doesn't have a specific release date, Niantic says it will be rolling out in select markets in April on both the App Store and Google Play, uh, while additional markets will be added as testing um, and iteration during soft launch Uh, As the soft launch continues, Uh, Tim, what's your history with like AR gaming? Like, were you a Pokemon Go guy and are you interested in checking this out?
1: Uh, I I was into Pokemon Go for that that beautiful moment in 2016 for as long as I think most people were. Uh, And then the hardcore kind of stayed on and then Niantic kept kind of delivering for them for a long time, like not without fault, but I think they did a really good job of continuing to support that game with new generations of Pokemon, just new gameplay mechanics and all of that and just quality of life stuff. Um, Niantic are extremely cool. I love what they do. I love that they are kind of pushing ar in a gamified way that actually makes sense in a way that gamers want to interact with and i think that that is a tall order and it's surprising that we haven't seen it uh successfully copied more often like there was that ghostbusters one that greg was into because he's greg um but with this this is an interesting story because there was a couple projects they did that weren't as successful if i remember correctly niantic also did the pikmin one um, yeah bloom recently yeah and that that was like I, I I don't think I ever heard about it at all except for it happening like that it was going to happen I don't I even know, know if it did play
0: in it I don't know how yeah. hot that means it is like I haven't like looked at the numbers of the hype but I feel like that one was okay like I feel cool. like it's it wasn't Pokemon go but I feel like people are. and and that's
1: that's the thing is it doesn't need to be pokemon go very few things can be pokemon go that is a level of success that is unheard of and to compare it to that i think is uh a little bit unnecessary and like not really helpful for any real data um but this story is interesting to me because you got to look at the why right and the fact that all of the words in this are just dancing around we want to make a lot of money off of what we did but like we don't want to deal with pokemon because we don't own it and we have to deal with pokemon company and we can just do it ourselves and we're not going to do nfts but then you know what maybe we will do nfts i don't know i don't know but we we just want to make the money from it like that's all i'm hearing from this and at some point like they're saying they're not doing fts so just taking the word for it right now at least this doesn't sound like a horrible thing people love tamagotchi and tamagotchi didn't have pokemon right like those are just little creatures that people want to take care of and love so I don't know that you necessarily need the Pokemon license for this th- to work will this be anywhere near the fraction as successful as Pokemon go no but I do think it has that built-in Pokemon go audience of the people that are still playing that every day giving them one more th- app to open up and one more thing to do I think is doubling down on a uh, installed audience that they already have and the fact that this is all mobile based like this this is probably a really smart business move from Niantic to do I don't think it's that exciting I will never touch this but I do think that it makes a lot of sense
0: you don't want to raise cute creatures and see them grow with
1: nah, you. My, my um, my
0: I'm actually kind of into this and I, I skipped out on Pikmin Bloom just because I don't know I think too like it's honestly Pikmin baggage to be if I'm being frank like I'm like, I don't know for when we're getting the next game. Like, I, I barely played, um, God, what is it? Was it Pikmin 3 Deluxe? I forgot what the full name of the mm-hmm. one on Switch. Yeah. Um, You know, I played that. I had a great time. That was probably my first, like, front to back, like, going through a whole Pikmin game. And it was so funny because I I was like playing it with my boyfriend because it's like multiplayer. And he was like, this is great. When's the next one coming? And I'm like, oh, man, I got some bad news. So I think I just didn't want to deal with like the Pikmin thing element of that. But there was like a lot of cuteness to be had there. I like that this feels like a nice in-between. At least gameplay wise, I'm not sure how um into the weeds like the breeding mechanic is gonna be. But what seems cool to me about Pikmin Go, I mean Pikmin Bloom is that you're just like out there, you're walking, and the Pikmin get cute hats. I'm like, cool. But like I don't, you know, and I'm sure there's more to the game than that, but just kind of the elevator pitch is that Pokemon Go, it started initially as just like catching, but now we all, but even from like the very like beginning parts, you still had some level of like gyms that you could take over. And granted, it was like a really 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 simplistic mechanic that they've since kind of evolved on but like Uh it had some of those base elements in there while this (laughs) is like (laughs) i just want to be by myself i just want to be by myself with my creatures they look cute this seems cool i will say um the procedural generation is interesting because i feel like that has been a very like hit and miss thing um in gaming in general like sometimes that really works sometimes it doesn't so i'm like when i read that i'm like what kind of fucked up animals are going to come out of this by accident you know am I going to get like this demented unicorn that I have to take care of that I can't do anything with like I don't know and then I just think it's some of the stuff is you know I like the ideas behind it so I don't mean to like you know, make a mockery of like what they have going on, but I, I do think it's funny to say it's patterned the way DNA works in real life. I and mean, this is getting too like you know science. We we knew that we could, but should we have you know for well, a the,
1: We've already we've already seen that taken to the nth degree with Digimon. I don't know how familiar you are, but their whole premise was, hey, what if this wolf mated with a machine gun? Um, so I feel like whatever Perry Dot ends up doing is going to be a little less crazy than that, but also. We can hope it's not. You know, I, I'm a big fan of wolf machine guns with sword arms, but maybe that's just me.
0: Yeah, it looks like it's going going for something a little bit cuter. But yeah, this could be cool. Um, At the same time, like I think AR gaming is just such a like, unique and specific kind of mobile gaming because it's sort of like a casual check in run in the background thing that I feel like can be satisfying to a certain degree, but also like. Is weird in that you're like never playing it super hardcore, but you also have to live in it. So I'm like, I don't really, you know, I, I'm still kind of developing what relationships I want to have with ongoing games, which I think AR kind of falls into that category. But yeah, you know, I might fuck around, sign up for the beta, see what's out there. Why not? It doesn't cost me anything. Pokemon Sleep's not out yet. I have time on my hands, so yeah, I've been, I haven't. No, I have been awake for years. Years. Um, it's really starting to take a toll on me. um you know, speaking of sleep, maybe that's why uh, Pedro Pascal hasn't finished The Last of Us yet. This comes from Logan Plant over at IGN. Um, the headline's a little different because the one I first saw, like, I got hit with that AB headline thing, and I'm like, what was the headline that I initially had seen for this? Don't know what it is. That's my fake one that I made up. Um, so, Pedro Pascal, who is set to play Joel in the upcoming Last of Us series on HBO, says the show is, it really is made for people that love The Last of Us. And then the article then goes to a bunch of, like, different quotes from pulling from a GQ interview that's source. so I'm just going to jump down to when it gets into the Last of Us part, which is the gaming relevant part. Uh, Pascal also said he hasn't finished the Last of Us video game, but not due to lack of effort. It's so sad. I haven't any skill, Pascal says. I tried, you know, and then it was only a matter of minutes before I had to hand it over to my nephew. It really takes a specific kind of skill, and I don't have it. He went on to say he watched his nephew play a big chunk of the game before stopping to create a healthy distance between Troy Baker's original portrayal of Joel and his own. I found Joel so impressive. I found the whole of it uh, such a visually impressive experience. And then I got worried that I would want to imitate it too much, which I think could be right in some circumstances and then a mistake in others. Um, so, really, this stood out to me because I just thought it was, you know, there's, there's a funny element, right, of the the gaming side of it, I think. But also, I, I feel like it's going to be interesting to see what his portrayal of Joel ends up being. Uh, but what about you? What's your gut reaction here?
1: I mean, I, I just love it. I love the quote It's so sad. I haven't any skill i love you joe i love you so much what's the, the last skull? game
0: that you've said that about or are you like i've conquered i know you came over you got over sifu like you got seafood over that was, hurdle and you became a sifu master which i yes. feel like i was so salty about that tim like i love to see you shine so like shots yeah, you shining you. but at the Thank same you. time when sifu first was like dropping this is like pre-embargo like i remember like texting blessing about like my struggles and like where i'm at and he's like oh no you're doing pretty pretty good like you know and not like in a shade would be like tim is like super old at a level one like you're doing way better than you think you are and i'm like cool bless, but i still can't do <laughs> exactly, it and shady. And then, I mean, was where lie, right? He was a report. It was factual reporting. Yeah. Um. And then I turn around and I watched y'all's, you know, speed run of it, the the four, the one v four, four v four, whatever speed run, which was super fun. Uh, check it out if you haven't already. Um. And Tim's out here just rocking with the best of them. And I'm like, Tim, I thought you and I were like down here in the dirt with the normies. So you know, have you ever really been met with with gaming strife the way Pedro Pascal has?
1: Oh, absolutely! So many, so many times, and it's it, I I like very specific types of challenging games. Obviously, things like Cuphead very up my alley. That is something that I very much enjoy. And it's funny because I'm so particular about the stuff. Where it's like things like Mega Man, I do not fuck with. Like I do not like the idea of having to do long things over and over and over if I fail. But the idea of Cuphead is like you're just straight at the boss. Go, and if you mess up. You just start there again, and it's never going to take you too long. To... I also don't
0: like Mega Man for the same reason. Yeah. It's too much pattern yeah. recognition, and he jumps weird to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's very I, I feel, you know what road. I mean? It,
1: there's like a weird arch to it. Like, get out of here.
0: Like, it's something's not like if you if you grew up with him, maybe you're like, this is who he is. But like coming in cold like a few years ago, I'm like, this don't feel right.
1: Mega Man is fantastic but it is just not my my cup of tea when it comes to this stuff but um anyways yeah there, there have been many many games that i'm just like it's this is just not happening and that's okay that's okay um uh, but peter bascal is fantastic i love him everything he's in i enjoy a little bit more because he's in it i first saw him in game of thrones and he took my heart uh i was absolutely blown away by his character and like i think that he uh his portrayal of Oberyn in Game of Thrones was so key to that show's success to me, where it was like that was – we're in the middle. We're in the thick of things. We already have so many fan-favorite characters. How are they going to add another character that I'm just completely into? And the answer was Pedro Pascal. So you take that. You add him to The Mandalorian. I love him in that. I've loved him in every single thing that I've seen. So him being Joel in The Last of Us is very exciting to me because I am of the belief that I want – media adaptations of video games to have the the core of what makes that franchise special and i think that means something different for each and every franchise i am out here glowing about sonic the hedgehog too, not because i think that it adapted the games perfectly or that it did the best movie experience of all time from a film standpoint but i do think that it had the perfect mesh of translating sonic the hedgehog and his friends into a two-hour movie. And I think that when we look at things like Halo, I know everyone's all over the place on that show. I've watched a couple episodes now, and every episode I watch, I like less and less and less. And I think it's because it doesn't speak to what makes Halo Halo to me in any way, shape, or form. I don't care that they change the story. It's just the story they're giving me doesn't feel like an authentically Halo story. The fact that they refuse to use the music, I fucking hate. But guess what Last of Us is doing? It's going to use the music like to me that is such a core part of what makes last of us special and like at the end of the day you can look at anything and be like oh it's just a this it's just to that last of us is just a- another zombie apocalypse story it's another small group of people out on the run trying to just care for each other and who's the real threat is it the monsters or is it us like how many times have we seen that
0: is it the last of us <laughs>
1: Is it I don't know. but the thing about Last of us that that's special is these characters and is the tone and is the music and is so many little tiny things that add up to be more than just another thing that we've seen before. So I like that everything that I'm hearing here, I like that we we know that that the Joel we're getting is gonna be so inspired by Troy's performance, but it's also going to be something that is unique and different because Pedro's gonna bring that. And so all this I, could not be more excited for the last of us show I have extremely high hopes I think it's going to piss off a lot of people because guess what the games piss off a lot of people but that doesn't matter I think that yeah, this is going to be a hate truly their favorite phenomenal thing show.
0: it's like a, it's the Star Wars syndrome where it's like oh yeah I love this but I hate everything about it I hate everyone who likes it or doesn't like it um, yeah yeah well I don't know I think this will be a little bit less controversial than like how like Last of Us 2 was in terms of like the differing feedback or like the, cause I, I don't think they're going to deviate too much. So I'd be surprised if like the content of the, the show itself felt like super off putting in any way, but I'm curious to see, how they execute like certain scenes, like what they decide to focus on, how they're doing the pacing of it, um, and then also like the nuance of kind of filling in the additional gaps, uh, I guess that are inherently created when you have a video game. Um, because with a few exceptions, you know, people always joke that like Kojima's games, you're just sitting down and watching a movie. Which there are like really long cutscenes. Most games don't have cutscenes that are like too crazy long. So the idea of like taking that scene and like what hap- how do we like add this sort of movie TV show element to it when we normally would be playing through this and like how do we create because like there's you know inherent tension and, and intrigue created through like the act of controlling so it's like okay how are we gonna fill those gaps and what set pieces will be created you know I think a lot of times in gaming, You might look back on your own play experience. And even if something is like linear as a campaign, you have your own stories from certain games of like crazy things that happen to you. And I think certainly for like my experience with The Last of Us, there's like really close calls or like areas I really struggled with. Like I remember having like a really hard time, like getting through like the initial like subway where you have to like get the ladder and there's like people Mm. everywhere. And you're like... (laughs) <laughs> Your like friends are like d- darting at full speed back and forth, and I'm like, y'all, this is stressing me out. Like, I'm just trying to quietly get my band-aid. So I'm excited oh. to see how that ends up getting replicated, um, and I'm curious to know like how far into the game he watched too, because I think there's some pretty crazy stuff that happens in Last of Us. Um, and as someone that had started that game several times over, um, I remember being like, kind of having an idea of what this game was, and then getting further into it and really seeing so much more that I think impressed me and like disturbed me and was interesting. So I'm excited to see, like, I think it's actually kind of cool that he has had this like a base understanding of like, here's Joel, here's his attitude, some of his motivations. And then for maybe some of those more um, interesting, like, you know, winter scenes and things, we'll get to see kind of a more like fresh take on the character. Um, So yeah, I think that's gonna be really cool. And I respect the transparency of like, you know what? I didn't have it. It's rough sometimes you just don't have it and i'm like you know what it also kind of makes me feel like wow i'm like real pro gamer here playing the last of us even though the last of us is not a hard game but i'm like you know like there is a skill to be had here you know something worth celebrating
1: totally and the last thing i want to say about this is at the end of the day you know he he's played enough of this seen enough of it understands troy's performance but we have neil Druckmann that's going to be directing these, this it's going to be there like directing Pedro himself in the same way he directed Troy with whatever nuance or changes or keeping things the same that he wants to do and that to me I think is the difference between a lot of the other things we've talked about and last of us on HBO like there was just already so much more chance of success because it is from the same group of people in the same minds that made the first thing we love so much
0: Exactly. And speaking of things we love, remember, you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where you can get the show ad free. And speaking of ads, let us tell you about our sponsors.
1: This episode is brought to you by me. Undies. I love me undies. You guys have heard me talk about me undies for years at this point. I'm always wearing the me undies shirt, the me undies lounge pants, the me undies undies, the me undies socks. I can go on and on and on. If me undies putting out a product, chances are Tim Gettys is wearing them. The me undies membership is literally designed to make your life easier with free shipping and returns on every order, savings on virtually everything they make, exclusive sales, and early access to their newest stuff. There's kind of no reason not to join. Get super soft undies, bralettes, or socks shipped directly to your door and live a more comfortable life knowing you always have what you need at your fingertips when you step out of the shower. MeUndies has a great offer for all of you. Any first-time purchasers, you can get 15% off. For a limited time, if you sign up for their free-to-join MeUndies membership, you can get 25% off your first membership item. To get 25% off your first membership item or 15% off your first order and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash funny. That's MeUndies.com slash funny. Bunny. Shout out to MapleStory. For sponsoring this episode, after 17 years of rich MMO gameplay wrapped in a unique 2D side scroller, MapleStory is ready to proudly lean into its cute, pixelated aesthetic. The aggressively cute campaign aims to showcase the unexpected juxtaposition of cuddly, smiley characters with rich, multi-layered MMO gameplay. The campaign focuses on telling a story of immense character customization, a vast array of weapons and mounts to choose from, a seemingly endless horizon of lands to explore and battle, all while dealing huge amounts of damage to monsters of all shapes. And sizes. I know a lot of people out there love MapleStory. So, hey, come check out this armed and adorable campaign. This is your world. With over 40 classes and thousands of cosmetic customization options, you can play how you want. And there's just so much good stuff. 18 years of content. No signs of slowing means you'll never get bored. You can go to maplestory.com nexon.net that's maplestory.nexon.net for more or you can just click the link in the description
0: no Man's Sky creator says the next game is pretty ambis- ambitious, says Ishrock Subhan at Eurogamer, uh, who of course points out that this is a very familiar statement. Uh, the article reads, hello games, the British studio behind No Man's Sky is working on its next new release. In an interview with IGN, studio co-founder Sean Murray said his next game would be just as, as ambitious as No Man's Sky. For a while, we've been working on something pretty ambitious in the background. It's a small team, but we like it that way. Murray added that the game was more ambitious uh, than you might expect from a small studio. Similar to No Man's Sky, it's the kind of project that even if we had a thousand people working on it, it still seemed impossible. The project is apparently still in very early development, and Murray said No Man's Sky is still being supported, and the two games weren't weren't impacting each other's development. If any of this sounds familiar, you might recall some of the statements made by Murray in the run-up to No Man's Sky's disastrous launch. Murray seems to be aware of that controversial period, telling IGN, we've learned our lesson when talking about games too early after No Man's Sky's pre-release period. Hello Games yesterday announced No Man's Sky's latest major update, Outlaws, which adds a new pirate underworld and overhauled space combat. Um, Tim, what's your history with No Man's Sky and what what are your feelings on, you know, Hello Games and their future projects? I feel like, you know, the last thing they did was pretty small puzzle game. And now it seems like they're going to be moving to something a lot more grandiose.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's No Man's Sky has totally been something that's, I think, really aligned with Kind of Funny's history because it was 2015 when we left IGN. So like kind of covering that game from a Hype perspective, all the way through launch, all the way through. Oh no, things are bad. Through oh, they're fixing it. To oh, hey, this is a comeback story. Like has kind of been the last seven years for us. So uh in, in that sense, I mean, like Kevin interviewed Sean Murray for No Man's Sky back in wow. 2015, right? Like it, that's yeah. really crazy. What did you say? Um, oh, a lot of things that were true. <laughs> things were more, that were
0: true. <laughs> more ambitious than than they had. Did I ask him and, about creating a Death Star and destroying a planet? And he was like, I don't think that's going to be possible, but maybe. It yeah. maybe so at least game. you have
1: some things. <laughs> something's true for you, Kev. But uh, yeah, so, you know, with that, I do think that we got to give props where props are due. And they fixed it. But mm-hmm. you also got to look at things and be like, all right, should we be hyping up the next game is pretty ambitious? Maybe not. And And I do, again, want to kind of like give the context to this that... This is in an interview. This is not them putting out a big press release of like, hey, our next game is about to be ambitious. This is like us finding a story from an interview, right? And I, I think that that is a context that we don't talk about enough when uh, we're, we're doing these big stories because things just spiral out of control and all of a sudden it's just like, what the fuck? Why would they do this? And it's like, I mean, if I'm being honest, oh sean maybe i shouldn't say that even in an Mm. interview because Mm. you should know better at this point that these things are going to spiral out of control but you got to imagine and no matter what like it's not like sean murray doesn't care (laughs) it's not like he wants to make these mistakes he wants these games to be ambitious and to be amazing you know and like show the dedication to no man's sky uh and beyond and and all the iterations that they've done shows that it's about the passion of course it's about the business and making money but like he and the team legitimately care about it. And I think that that is one of the more important aspects of all of this. Again, don't overpromise. Learn lessons from your mistakes. Um, I'm hoping that they learn lessons from their mistakes and they've learned how to make things ambitious in this way and whatever. And I think that they've proven they can in some ways in terms of game development. But I do think that they need to learn from their mistakes in terms of communication because <laughs> uh, it's risky business out there.
0: Yeah, I feel like um, this one's an interesting one because obviously, yes, it is funny hearing like No Man's Sky creators say like pretty ambitious because, like you know, that was the whole deja vu thing from before. But at the same time, like you mentioned, it's just in an interview. And also um, everyone says that their project is ambitious. Like no one ever is like, it's honestly going to be par for the course. Like it's just even if that's kind of yeah, true in the product we get, time. they're like, you yeah. know, and not that not that anyone, you know, half asses like the games they make. But by that, I mean, like. We've definitely seen iterations in, in a franchise or like projects from teams that feel like fine right like not every game is like intensely critically acclaimed and even though we all have different opinions we can all probably think of a game that we feel like is just okay um the people making it probably didn't feel that when they were making it right like they were striving for something you know unique and interesting and trying to push like their own like you know prowess and and learn things and and execute on a vision and then maybe they had to be able you know everyone thinks that their thing's going to be good because why else if they thought it wasn't going to be good they wouldn't be making it um I think too something that helps make this feel like a little bit you know different than what we've seen before is seeing again Hello Games is history now. They've really turned around with No Man's Sky, and not just like turned it around. And no one cares. They have like a really dedicated and passionate community. They're still putting out stuff. The stuff they put out is absolutely wild. And then in between all that, they also had the last campfire, which granted I didn't spend um, time with yet. I, I want to get to it. I believe it's on Apple Arcade among other platforms. But I feel like that shows that like hey, we're not just only making like. The most giant insane games like we're here making things that we want to make that we care about that we're interested in and it shows that they can execute an idea outside of just like that no man's sky project and put that out and have that be, you know, I'd say decently successful. I feel like people who played it liked it. I'm assuming it probably did okay numbers wise for them. Um. So the, the idea of them making something bigger or something next isn't too, like, crazy. I do think the one line that I'm like, that sounds horrifying, <laughs> is that if we had thousands of people, it'd still seem impossible. I'm like, that sounds like maybe that could have stayed in the drafts. Like, maybe we didn't <laughs> need to put that in there. Um, but at the same time, I think about, like, teams that have made really wild games. Like, you know, I, I've i recently, like, re-booted like up Dreams and stuff. And I'm like, that game probably could fit that descriptor. So I don't think that that's necessarily a red flag either it was just kind of like okay now we're getting a little too like in the weeds but what i think this ends up signaling at the end of the day is that you know we're when we hear about this it's going to be slow rolled and i think the marketing like you mentioned rather than just like you know the press part will be a lot more tame than we've seen previously and they probably have more people helping out with that kind of stuff too
1: well i you know i think that that's kind of a know if more is the right way to put it but different i think is because you got to remember the context of no man's sky and where the hype came from and it was playstation itself right like the reason that no man's sky was hyped to hell and back is because playstation was putting it at the forefront like it was the closer of e3s for i think multiple years or at least a big focus of multiple playstation e3s during a time where playstation was killing e3s so with that putting uh sean murray as like one of the main press interviewees out there like that is all building a narrative and 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 is interesting and the world's changed a lot it is interesting to now look at things like the game abandoned which i don't even want to bring up but i will janet because it's me and you here and it's a safe space uh but you know the reason that that game's getting as much talk is because playstation put any focus on it and again not e3 stage focus but the modern version of that to some extent which is playstation blog uh pushes and all of that like that is the thing where the moment playstation puts eyes on you it's a different level of eyes it's a different conversation all of a sudden and that's not necessarily marketing budget but it is marketing strategy with partnerships and that's where i'm interested in this of who ends up partnering with them and how does that end up looking like and I think that they're in a better position because I my gut tells me PlayStation is not going to be pushing this next project the same way
0: yeah I mean I think you're oh god I don't know if I want to say you're probably around that but I think that's a that is a prediction that's definitely based on what we've seen prior like I don't know that they'd be wanting to like go out and do it in the same way i feel like it's gonna be like everything we did before we're gonna do the opposite like what's the opposite of a talk show podcast i don't know um but yeah i'll be interested to see what well first of all what their vision is um especially given what like no man's sky is it's a little hard to almost imagine something more ambitious than like space in the universe so I'm, i'm very curious as to what they are going to do and where like their passions lie especially with Again, Last Campfire obviously a very different game and a different genre entirely. But I feel like I don't have a read on like where their interests are. Like I know No Man's Sky, but then I know Last Campfire. Those are like those don't really fit together. So it's like, what it, what are we gonna see out of this? Uh, I have no idea, but I'm I'm super interested to see what it ends up being. And there is definitely a lot of hype for Outlaws too. It actually got mentioned to me like yesterday. I was like talking to friends, and they're like, "Oh, like I think I'm gonna go back into No Man's Sky because I can be you know a pirate in space and stuff." And like there's just been a I've had that conversation several times over the years of people jumping back into No Man's Sky for different things. And I think that speaks to the power of the updates they have and like how diverse and different they all are. Um, and to finally to close out let's go ahead and take a little blast from the past Fez at 10 years old Phil fish resurfaces for a rare interview this comes over from uh, Eurogamer uh, and dropped earlier today uh, written by Rupert Perche or Perchez um, and this is interesting because basically he sets up this interview and he's like I you know had done some works like some articles and content uh, celebrating Fez and I figured I'd hit up fish because you know like maybe we can get a quote like kind of editorial due diligence but I had no I did not expect him to ever answer, but then he was like, hey, what's up? And I'm like, well, let's let's talk. Let's do a little interview. So um, nothing too like mind blowing out of this. But I wanted to pull a couple things that I thought were amusing or interesting. And then a few things that are a little bit more, you know, headliney that people might end up pulling from this and talk about. But. So, anyway, interviewing Phil Fish, these aren't all the questions, but they're some of the ones that I want to highlight. Um, are you marking the 10th anniversary of Fez in any ways? The question Phil Fish answers I'm planning a quiet evening of drinking and crying. Other question. Uh, When you see Fez there before you, either literally or figuratively, what do you see? Do you see imperfections or achievement you're rightfully proud of? And are there things you would change? Phil Fish responds, a little bit of both. I have a few regrets, mostly things I'd like to remove. If I ever make a director's cut, I'll be the rare director's cut with less stuff in it, which like I. I just You know what? Let's you know, let's go ahead and just jump in in between these and get as far into this interview as we can. I love that mention. I think it's really funny. This also just totally fits like not that I know Phil Fish personally, but like many people, I found out about Phil Phil Fish through Indie Games, the movie, which like I was like every other basic person where I'm like, I got into Indie Games through Indie Games, the movie. And like, you know, whatever, like that is my, that is my truth. I like went on Steam and like H.io and I haven't like turned back since. Um, But like one of the things that stood out from that was how like, Kind of, you know, quirky and weird. I think a lot of the developers were in different ways. Um, And hearing him say that, I I just love this conversation because I feel like he's being so himself and like, I'm just here to have a chat. And I also like the director's cut thing just from like the PlayStation side where we keep seeing director's cuts. And I just think it'd be hilarious for them to release a Fez director's cut with less content.
1: Well, I mean, I I think that especially with video games, because of how vast they tend to be, that a director's cut cutting the things that didn't work uh, is often less egregious than if you were to do that for like a two hour movie. Or, or something like that. And I, I'm sure, I mean, people do that. There's fan edits of movies that cut out a bunch of the bullshit um, and trying to make something better out of it all the time. But it reminds me of like Wind Waker HD on the Wii U of like the changes that that made. I mean, technically they cut a lot of stuff. There's a lot less hours you have to play that game to complete it. But that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, All right, let's continue on with the question. Are there any secrets still to be discovered in Fez? Any Easter eggs or mysteries people haven't solved? Uh, Fish responds, I'm not sure. I don't often keep tabs on that. But last I checked, there were still a couple things that had yet to be elucidated. Which also, that's a $10 word. Like, I'm only 80% sure I said that word right. Um, That's like a context clues S-A-T-ass word to throw in there. Uh, And that's very satisfying to me, he continues. I hope it stays that way a long time. Some of the theories people come up with are amazing, though. People have stumbled upon some truly unbelievable coincidences that sure seem like they are a thing, and I'm not about to confirm or deny them, which I also think is, like, really cute, of, like, letting people just have the game and make it for what they will. And and the idea of their, you know, again, he says he's not, like, you know, documenting all this, like, as his full-time job or anything um but the idea that there's still more out there I think is really impressive
1: yeah I mean it reminds me of Guardians of the Galaxy one has so many Easter eggs in it and James Gunn is the king of Easter eggs and to this day there's one Easter egg that he's like no one's found it out yet and it's like become this like huge thing on the internet of like who's going to crack the case who's going to find the final Easter egg so I I love that stuff and I hope that it's MT because he deserves
0: it yeah Uh, Next up, we have one thing that stuck with me uh, while playing Fez was how timeless it felt, and I suppose that's something you can never gauge until it's been around for a while, like, say, a decade. To me, Fez does fall into the same category as those Nintendo games, Mario's and otherwise. I remember you saying inspired you. How does that make you feel to hear? Fish says, it's very flattering, but I don't know if it's true. That's like me grilling one great steak and calling myself a steak master. I think it owes a lot of that feeling of timelessness to the games that inspired it. The fact that pixel art is still around and has kind of always been at some point. Uh, I don't think it only plays as a retro nostalgia thing. Good pixel art is still coming out all the time and feels so contemporary. Definitely never expected it to have that kind of longevity, though. I'm forever surprised by that, um, which I think is like a very like modest, but also kind of accurate take and I feel like I also see Fez um, in a lot of games like admittedly I haven't seen Fez through to completion but playing Captain Toad I'm like okay this is cute simpler Fez of just kind of rotating around these areas and I think a lot of um, conversation has been resurged about Fez not just because of the anniversary but playing Tunic and kind of feeling some of those um, angles based on like yeah the isometric vibes and the exploration yeah for sure um and then I think this is close to last so I'll probably just put these two to close out we have I think it's really lovely that even 10 years later people are still excited about the idea of Fest 2 it's a testament to the game you made do you ever feel the pull to return to it to which she responds yes I just need 200 million dollars 5,000 developers for 15 years to bring my grandiose vision to life which I feel oh, like man. he also does have a vision I'm like is this is it the same vision Sean Murray has can we get a collab a crossover <laughs> you know um the ultimate Kickstarter to end all Kickstarters. Oh, God. Uh, and then finally, similarly, do you ever feel the pull to return to making games? Are you um, done making them? I'm constantly making games and canceling every single one of them before they're even announced, which I feel like... That's real. Yes. Like, I think this is him being like, I'm making stuff and just never telling you and I'm drinking my wine as time passes me. Like, I love this for him. Like, especially, again, in, in, so long ago, Indie Games the movie, but like, there was some truly wild shit in that film about i think how hard it is to make um games and like seeing the like i get secondhand stress watching that documentary if you haven't seen it in a while i implore you to go back and rewatch it because it's a lot um but yeah i mean i i love seeing that there's like a, a the fact that he also doesn't feel like he has to make it either um i think is really cool and kind of gives him the space to like create out of need out of desire and not out of necessity Mm-hmm um, but uh, Fez 2 is so far away because uh, it's probably not ever going to come to light. If I want to know what's coming to Mom and Grop shops, where would I look?
1: The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform is listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily show host each and every weekday.
0: <laughs> yeah. See, I remembered it because I added Silly Jingle Time, though I also deleted the way it to lead into the other parts. So it was like half good, half bad. Out today, uh, we got a lot. We got... Buddy Macho? Okay. Sure. Switch? Uh... Bush Hockey League for Switch, question mark. Cat Cafe <laughs> Manager, Switch PC, Crime Site for PC, Death Park 2 for Switch. I think it's okay if you didn't play Death Park 1, if that exists. Um, God of Protectors, Cart of Darkness for Switch, Inner Voices for Switch, Labyrinth of the Chaka King for Switch, Nobody Saves the World, PS5 and PS4 and Switch, uh, Pinball Freedom on Switch, Pretty Girls Rivers on PS5, PS4 and Switch, Road 96, PS5, PS4, Series X, S and Xbox One. Rotund, Rebound on Switch, Run, The World in Between on Switch and PC, uh, Shooting Star Island on Switch, Sock Venture on Switch, Tape, Unveil, The Memories, PS4, PC, and 2D and Top D on Switch. Um, and just really quick, I watched out a couple of these because I, you know, a lot of times when I read these lists, it's like a bunch of games that maybe I am not super familiar with because a lot of games come out that we never get the chance to play because time is limited. Um, Nobody Saves the World I really loved. I know it was kind of, you know, mixed, I think, for some people. Um, But I really, really enjoyed playing that earlier this year. I have that in my top 10 games of the year currently. Um, So and it's I had a blast doing it um, multiplayer. Uh, I think it also helps with some of like the difficulty spikes. You can kind of cheese your way through things. But I found it super fun, like mixing and matching the abilities. Um, You can be a slug that shoots arrows in that game. I feel like if that doesn't sell you then maybe it's not for you. Um Rogue 96, <laughs> I also loved it. I haven't finished it yet. I started playing on Steam, so I'm wondering if I'll just continue it out on there. Um, but this is a procedurally generative, like, narrative road trip game, which is super interesting. And, like, you know, I feel like this is said a lot for this genre, but it really does feel like you you feel the weight of your choices. I think there's also a lot of, like, lightness and, like, beauty, and then but also, like, darkness in that game in terms of just, like, what it's like in the world and what kind of problems the people you meet on the road might have um i think it also does a really good job exploring like the grayness of morality like at one point like you're you know you're crossing like the border and you're like got to hide underneath a truck but you have to decide if you're like going there or under a box and then it's like do i steal from this thing do i not like there's like a lot of little things like that but also moments where you just like sit down by a campfire and like hear someone play a banjo or something while you're just like you know barely eating anything cuz you're on the road um so i i really love that game and i feel like not enough people talked about it when it came out last year myself slightly included i just didn't finish it so i couldn't say too much more <laughs> uh to praise it and then 2d and top d is is one i beat last year uh on pc it's coming to switch i also did a review on it um over on my site PentaPixels. i like this game a lot if you like puzzle platformers play this it's awesome uh, my only beef with the game really is that the bosses are kind of insanely hard to me but there's also mm. like difficulty where you can just like Nerf your way through it by taking zero damage. So, and that also helps if you get stuck on puzzles because you could just like decide, you know what, I'm not going to do this. And I'm just going to like walk through the obstacle instead of, you know, solving it. So I really think that that difficulty option helps both um, with kind of a balance issue I feel with the bosses and then also just like a puzzle issue that you might personally have playing it because we all get stuck on different things so 2D and top D and then the weird uh, shtick there is you're both 2D and 3D so like there's one character that's in 2D and one that's like top down 3D and you kind of work together to move objects and solve puzzles Um, and all of it's like one screen kind of setups. so you just move from like point A to point B and you know it starts out really simple and then scales up Um, so yeah if that sounds interesting to you I'm ploy to go check it out Um, that game It's really cool. And then that's about all that we have. I do want to give a quick shout-out, too, for reader mail. Uh, Nano wrote in, a.k.a. the nanobiologist, who y'all know if you roll here regularly, especially in the chat, um, and had this to write in. A success story from two days ago. On Tuesday, I went into surgery for a laparous sleeve gastrectomy, uh, a.k.a. got part of my stomach removed. This was a doctor-recommended procedure to help me lose weight, something I've been struggling with for years. Tim shouted out my Twitter post uh, about me going in. And let me just say uh, the love and support from all of the KFBFs. Uh, um, people I talked to in the Twitch chat daily and those I've never met before uh, was amazing. Thank you to the KFBFs for being so kind and supportive. You seriously helped me stay on track uh, with all post op requirements and to excel in my day one recovery. I'm back home now, safe and sound with my fiance helping to take care of me during this first week, uh, which, when not on good meds, feels like I did a four to six hour ab workout nonstop. Holy cow. Uh, this really is the best community on the planet. Um, and yeah, just like shout out to that. It's definitely something I was keeping yeah. track of too, because, you know, I follow Nano and like we've worked together. A few times on like TikTok and stuff. Um, And yeah, I love that. I'm, you know, the internet's not always the best place. Obviously, it's part of, you know, humanity, which has its flaws, but it really means a lot to me when I can be part of, you know, a platform and a community where those connections can happen. I feel like even if only one or two or 2,000, like those are all super meaningful. And I feel like it adds just so much additional value. Obviously, I think there's value in talking about games like as an art and like a hobby and like something that has been a part of my life since I was five. But this honestly means like so much more to me than that and that already means a lot so um thank you for writing in and, and and sharing like that positivity and i'm glad that uh us and other people in the chat could do that for you nano so you know wishing you well in your recovery oh
1: yeah man give those dogs some love for me okay Nano?
0: um and now as the community turns you're wrong let's see what they're yelling at us <laughs> okay yeah. um perry is a french word pronounced perry do. I don't know if that's right, but I did read it, so we'll see. Um, okay, other things. Uh, something about Sora. I feel like we're just gonna leave that alone. <laughs> um the ride that janice thing of universal also from nano shot to nano still there despite the recovery uh for shrek 4d it's now closed i thought it was but then i honestly had really quick ip paranoia i'm like is that does that line up and then when people be like how do you That's not shit. know where shrek is from like you know what i mean like and then i'm like are getting like gaslit by shrek fans like i just didn't want to <laughs> risk it so you know <laughs> on this ones, Thursday. No. i've been rocking it. with shrek from day one okay vhs like i've been I've been there. I've been in it. Speaking um, of that,
1: did you see yesterday uh, that some members of Blue Sky Studios uh, re- reunited to animate one last thing for Ice Age? No. And it was the squirrel finally getting the nut. Nice. I know. Really After 20 good. years, Tim. I love, it was love so that good. for him.
0: The Ice Age was also really good. That was like a fun era of time watching all those films. Um, anyway, continuing on, just to close out, uh, tomorrow's hosts. Blessing Tim. Tim, they really got your work in here today and they tomorrow.
1: They do, man. They do. I, I think I've been on, I'm going to be on four days this
0: week. We're um, We're like passing the baton because like I was on yesterday and today. And then we're like, you know, pivoting over to close out the week.
1: That's great. Tim week, baby. Let's go.
0: Uh, if you're watching live on Twitch after this, it's Fortnite with Nick, Andy, Mike, and Kevin. And if you want to catch that later, uh, subscribe to YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Plays. Remember, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily. Uh, We're each and every weekday live right here on Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those who are subbed at the silver level of Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. So stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, Game Daily.